Welcome to this week's podcast. My guest is my friend, Pastor Tim Delina, Senior Pastor of Times Square Church, New York. Tim, a warm welcome to the program. Jay John, what a joy to be with you here on Facing the Canon. Now, where are you at the moment? I'm right in the heart of New York City, just a few blocks from Times Square. Go on. I remember being in your office and you telling me about New Year's Eve. Uh, Tell us about that because I looked out of your window and it's only a few feet away. Jay John, we are literally in the heart, not only the heart of New York City, but we're in the heart of Times Square that right outside of our window is a million people gathered to watch a ball drop every December 31st. And that's where we're located. It's an amazing location and literally theaters surrounding you. So Times Square Church is in a hundred year old theater. It was a theater that had everything from Julie Andrews and My Fair Lady to Jesus Christ Superstar. And um, when we obtained it over 30 years ago, uh, what a joy. Two interesting facts, J. John. It is considered to be um, one of the largest theaters in all of, in all of Times Square. Cross the street from Wicked, which the church should be. The church should be across the street from Wicked. Amazing, amazing. Now, I wanna take you back. Let's start with your grandparents. One grandparent came from Italy, one came from Russia. Tell, yes. tell us about their story. So it's, I, my parents are sons and daughters of immigrants. So when they came over, my Russian grandparents were Orthodox. And my Italian parents, grandparents, came over as Catholics. But neither of them were strong in Greek Orthodox or Catholicism and just a miracle of God. They came over on the boat, went to Ellis Island. And the short story of it is, is that they were both taken in and evangelized by Pentecostal Russians and Pentecostal Italians. So both sides of my family, the Russians and the Italians, um, were raised in spirit-filled churches uh, right here on the East Coast of the United States. So where I should have been either Catholic or Greek Orthodox, I ended up coming from a Pentecostal background. Now, now the story behind Times Square Church, uh, David Wilkerson was like a, a, a young country preacher who was stirred by God to come to New York and reach the gangs of New York. Now, what was the connection between David Wilkerson and your father? So David, the story of David is found in the cross on the switchblade. He was, he felt, J. John, to put away, this is in the 50s, to put away his television. He said every night, He was watching, this is a blast from the past, the Johnny Carson talk show. He would watch it every night. And the Holy Spirit said, get rid of your TV and pray at night. He said he was praying in the hills of Pennsylvania, opened up a Life magazine and saw a court trial of gang members in New York, a group of gang members 
um, uh, beat up and killed a young quadriplegic in Central Park. They were put on trial and the Holy Spirit spoke to David and said, go to New York and speak to the gangs. He thought he was going there to speak to these young men that were on trial. They wouldn't even let him in the courtroom. And his picture, the the reporters took it because he thought he was coming to disrupt the trial. And little did he know that his picture would be plastered over all the New York magazines. And the gangs thought that that he was there on the gang on the gang member side, which opened up the door for him to speak to some of the most notorious gangs in New York City. Well, this country, this Pennsylvania country preacher um, was, was speaking on the streets of Brooklyn, New York, and it was the first time that Nikki Cruz, who would be considered one of the great evangelists of our, of our time, and, and Nikki Cruz, J. John, was hearing the gospel for the very first time in Brooklyn, New York, and the police were shutting him down, David Wilkerson down, because they were having such great gang problems there in New York City. So a policeman said, you have, you can't speak here. You're, this is an unlawful gathering and you can't do this. And just before they were going to take David off the stage, as the gangs and the people were gathered around, um, a policeman uh, that outranks the, the patrol officer shows up, at that time a captain. Um, and this is unheard of. The, the, the police... Don't go against each other. When someone makes a decision, you support it. But somehow this police captain led by the Lord said, what is this man doing? He said, well, he's preaching here on the streets. And and that police captain said, let the man preach. And that police captain was my father. Amazing. Amazing. Let the man preach. What a phrase. And then your father and David Wilkerson became friends. Yes. So as a result of Nikki Cruz and the gang members all coming to the Lord, David, a world, a worldwide drug rehab program called Teen Challenge that depended on the Holy Spirit to deliver people. And right there in Brooklyn, Nikki Cruz and the other gang members would come to Teen Challenge, which is now... I think in about 70 countries and almost 1,300 programs around the world, um, the government, the United States government, J. John, did a report because they couldn't figure out the success rate of Teen Challenge. They said 85, this is a, this is a United States government report. They said 85% of all of your graduates are clean after a year. We want to know how it happened. They said our our most successful program is 7%. So they did a whole study and the study that the US government called it was the Jesus factor. They said, we have no other way to figure this out but the Jesus factor Incredible. of what you preach. And that, that as a result, Teen Challenges started. My dad becomes the first treasurer and David and my father have worked together and now are together in heaven. Oh, Tim, that's beautiful. Now, let's let's go back a bit. When you were 19, you got asked to go with Gary Wilkerson, David Wilkerson's son, to plant a church in Detroit. 
Tell us about that. So, you know, I get asked many times by, by, by a lot of next gen, how can I find my purpose, my destiny? And I think the greatest answer is what happened to me. And, I, and, and to somewhat being biblical, I think if you just say yes to serving a lot, even if it doesn't match what you think you're supposed to do, serve, and I think you run into your destiny. David, David doesn't go on a giant uh, rock-throwing trip. David is delivering cheese for his father in 1 Samuel 17, and the cheese delivery turns into his destiny as he, as he comes face-to-face with Goliath. That's what, that's what happened to me, Jay John. I was, oh. I was in between semesters at university, and it was spring break, and um, I went to a conference in Fort Worth, Texas, just to serve. I was in charge of driving people, attenders, back and forth to the airport. I had an old, beat-up Toyota Celica, drove back and forth to the airport. That's all I was. I was the airport driver. And on a Thursday night, after I finished all my runs, uh, came back to listen to David Wilkerson speak, be the keynote speaker that night. David looked at me, the airport driver, the air, you know, the, the Toyota Celica driver. Um, it's the reason why I was there and said, I'd like you to go to Detroit for the summer and help my son start a church. Well, it was a great honor and privilege not only to be asked by David, but it was something I, I just felt immediately to do. I didn't see what was going to come out of it. And then Jay John at 19, I was planning to go there for two months and go back to university. And my plan was this. I was going to follow in the footsteps of my father, who um, not only NYPD, but went to the FBI Academy in Quantico, Virginia. I, that was my that was my trajectory. And through driving people to the airport, coming in contact with not a Goliath, but a giant of the faith, David Wilkerson, would turn into a two-month missions trip to help his son start a church. They put me in a prostitution hotel at 19 years old and said, that's your Bible study. Jay John, I grew up in the church. I'm the last person to be found in a prostitution hotel every Thursday night. That was my seminary. That's where I learned to preach every Thursday night. Um, I knew three chords on the guitar. I I would lead worship um, on the guitar. At 7.05, we would meet every Thursday night. Amazing. All these prostitutes and pimps would get the lottery numbers at 7, then come down at 7.05 with their stolen Gideon Bibles. They would sit in that Bible study and... It was there for two months I preached. And what I thought would be over in two months, uh, this was my cheese delivery. And God turned two months and I ended up staying in Detroit for 30 years. I ran back into my destiny. Incredible, Tim. Tell us, Tim, about a very special lady that you helped introduce to Jesus. Well, part of the 30-year journey was we had the opportunity to buy a 900-seat triple X movie theater in another section of Detroit. We bought it, J. John, in the center of Detroit is a place called Highland Park, Michigan. It's an historic place. Um, 
the name Henry Ford is associated with it because the first car was made there in the world, the first paved road, the first assembly line, and it's only a two-mile square city. That's it. Um, and there, uh, as over the years, it declined and became one of the most violent cities in all of Michigan. So we bought a 900-seat pornographic theater and turned it into a church. They ran the movies till the day we bought it. When we bought it, they turned, off, turned the movies off and gave us the keys. They left everything in the theater. The bookstore, the movies, everything. I have to tell you, Jay John, when we were renovating the theater for a church, men thought that we were renovating it to reopen it for the movies again. And they would come and ask, when do the movies start? And we'd tell them, Sundays, 10 and 6. And the very men that used to show up for the movies ended up showing up at church and the screen that used to keep them in bondage now had hymns, choruses, scripture on it and would set them free. And we saw from, from men in bondage to, to pornography, to the prostitutes come to saving faith in Christ. And in the middle of, this, of the renovations, we, we needed some money. We were just a young church, so we needed some money. Invited uh, a bank, a, a local bank president to see if we would qualify. And he brought over one of the vice presidents to, to see if we would qualify for a loan. Once again, it's, it's nothing but providential. Uh, this young lady walks into the church my initial response was, wow, what a, what a pretty lady. That was it. She was not a Christian um, and part of the business that was happening. She goes home that day. Her name was Cindy. Goes home that day, J. John, and tells her roommate, I met the man I'm going to marry. So we keep this in mind. I'm the pastor. I don't know anything. She's the non-Christian and feels this impression, I'm going to marry a pastor of an inner city church that meets in a pornographic hotel. She was, she was coming there to see if we could qualify for money for an air conditioner. That was it. And miraculously, she comes back, we go through the financials, and all I felt to do was not only give her the financials, but also give her the gospel. Yes. And shared with her... Uh, what it means to be born again, gave her the book More Than a Carpenter by, yeah. by Josh McDowell. She goes home, reads the book, says the prayer, becomes a Christian. A couple months later, water baptized. And almost two years later, who would have thought we would be married? And the very theater she walked in to lend money to Amazing. is the very theater that we pastored the church together. I love that story, Tim. I love that story. And I love so many other stories of redemption, of people being ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. Could you just tell us the story? Um, I think the lady's name is Diane, how yes. you led her to the Lord. Can you tell us about her? Diane is her birth name. Her name on the streets was Kamuchi. So Kamuchi was the, the first prostitute that we met when we walked into the theater, 
J. John, they shut the movies off. I walked in as a pastor with other pastors to see if we're going to buy it. Turn the, turn the lights on, movies off, and we meet. First person we meet before starting the church is Kamuchi. Um, and she's the theater prostitute. She, she would make between 5 to $20 a trick in that theater. Um, she used to call me Father Tim and could not believe that we were turning her, her venue into a church. But she wasn't upset. She came in uh, one day during the renovations and said to me, J. John, she goes, Father Tim, would you pray for me? And I said, Kamuchi, absolutely. J. John, as we, uh, as I was getting ready just to put a hand, I couldn't remember, a hand on her shoulder or just hold her hand. She says, don't touch me, don't touch me. And I said, and, and I said why? She goes, every time the other ministers in the area pray for me, they charge me $25. They pray and then they give me a scripture verse like John 3, 16. And that verse was what I was supposed to bet for the three, for the lottery, 316. It was a scam that was being, that was happening to her. By, by the church. And I showed her in the Bible. I said, Kamuchi, I want you to read this in Matthew seven twenty. And she read the words, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And she, and she not only did the words pop out, but one of the most unexpected things happened, J. John, the numbers popped out. She, she said in America, she goes, I get it. Seven means chapter, 20 means verse. I'm in America, J. John. This is, this is, a, 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 I'm in Detroit with churches on every corner. And she said, give me another, give me another. And so we would go, I took her to Romans 3.10, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. She goes, give me another. Romans 6, 23, and she would read, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal. And had no idea, I was taking her through the Romans road as she yes. was reading these verses. And finally, she said to me, J. John, she goes, you're telling me if I commit my life to Jesus, that when I die, I won't have to cry again. I won't even have to cry now, that he'll take away my tears. And I remember giving her the last scripture in Revelation chapter 21 that talks about he will wipe away their tears and there will be no more pain. And I remember leading Kamuchi and her name, real name was Diane to the Lord and J. John, I'll never forget her walking into church for the very first time. And she started spinning around in the church. And this is the way she describes salvation. She says, look, I'm saved. Look how long my dress is. Look, the only way she could describe salvation is that she wasn't wearing revealing clothes on the streets, but Jesus changed her heart. She goes, I'm wearing a long dress now. And that simplicity would would be to describe her salvation. And that young lady, that 90-pound precious woman, um, did not know she had AIDS in her body. She married a deacon from another church, sold lawnmowers till Aww. the day that the Lord took her home. And I remember talking with her on a phone weeks before she, she would pass away. And Probably after G seeing Jesus in heaven, the person I can't wait to see is a 90-pound prostitute named Diane that came to the Lord. The first convert we saw 
in that theater was Diane, that prostitute. Amazing. What a story, Tim. What a story. Well, you went there for three months. You stayed 30 years. Uh, you became um, uh, assistant pastor at Brooklyn Tabernacle. And then God called you. And that's an, an amazing story, how he called you to Times Square Church. But you officially became the senior pastor in 2020, just before lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jay John, I would just say this. If I was writing the chapter of when to take over a church, I would say don't take it over during a global pandemic, civil unrest, a volatile election. Uh, it's like it, it, get, it kept getting piled on. We were shut down for 18 months. So when I took it over, I never saw a person in the seat for 18 months or a year and a half. We opened up the church when Broadway opened up. So, but Jay John, when we came in, it was May of 2020. The, the, the world was still figuring out this, this uh, figuring out COVID, not sure what this meant and everything went on lockdown. So, when I came to New York City, J. John, it was like a ghost. It was like a science fiction movie. The streets were empty. I flew in, me and maybe a half a dozen people on the plane. Uh, and for 18 months, we were here. But I have to tell you, J. John, when I got here to New York City, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, while while churches around the country are trying to open up their front doors, because that was the fight. When can we open up? When can we open up? We really felt the Holy Spirit speak to us and say, don't worry about the front doors. I want you to open up every door around the world. And at that moment, we as Times Square Church went on a quest of technology to say, we don't want to just simply open it up for members. We want to open it up for the secret believer in Saudi Arabia or in Afghanistan or those in China. Um, and we were, we were motivated and inspired uh, when Gutenberg, Johannes Gutenberg, made the printing press. Obviously, the first book that went across it was the Bible, 1455. And J. John, here's the miracle of that story. He printed almost 200 Bibles. It took him three years to print 14 pounds of Bible. That's how, that's how much it weighed was 14 pounds. And when he printed it and it came off the printing press, he only sold six in three years. And it wasn't simply because of the cost. It was because that almost 75% of Europe was illiterate when he did it. Yes. Gutenberg was printing it not for readers, but for the illiterate. And that's what God spoke. He says, don't open up the doors of those church for the literate. Open up the doors around the world for the illiterate. So while the Christians are going, open up the doors fast, we were going, we're opening up doors around the world through technology at Times Square Church. Amazing, Tim, absolutely amazing. And I, I've had the privilege of uh, being with you at Times Square Church a couple of times. I love the church. Killy and I love the church. It, you've got over 100 nationalities. It's multicultural. It, it's just 
it's alive, it's flourishing. Um, one of the things I love that I've come across, Tim, is this, the 260 journey. And it's amazing. Now, I never knew about 260. Explain the 260. <laughs> Absolutely. It, to some degree, that book came out of both passion and frustration is how it, is how it evolved. It's a passion for the word that I have every single day to dive into it, but a frustration that in all my 40 plus years of pastoring, trying to get the church to read the Bible, we, I have tried every program you can imagine, every program, but it always seems it got to a point that it would fail. People would get behind and you know, read the Bible in a year. It was, it's great until you get to Leviticus. And then after Leviticus, you, mount, you get through Leviticus, then you're facing numbers. And so I'm thinking, how, do, how can I get the church to read the Bible? And what I felt strongly about, J. John, was this. I discovered that there are 260 chapters of the New Testament. 260 is the number of chapters of the New Testament. But what's also interesting is that there are 260 weekdays, Monday through Friday, there's 260 weekdays before you even hit the weekend. So I thought this, let's just get them through the New Testament. So Monday, read the Bible, read the 260 journey, which is a devotional commentary. Saturday, so Monday through Friday, Saturday, catch up. And Sunday, go to church and hear the word. Amazing, Tim. Well, listen, I honestly, Tim, this is true. Uh, currently, Killy and I are going through Robert Murray McShane, but we decided this morning at breakfast that we're we're going to start this. We because oh I think goodness. we needed something a, a, a change, and I I want to encourage. Everyone that's listening now, if you don't have uh, a routine and a practice of reading the Bible, why don't you give this a go? 260, just one chapter a day, Monday to Friday. And all you do is review it on Saturday, go to church Sunday. Oh, Tim, listen, you're an absolute inspiration. Killy and I love you and your wife, Cindy. We love Times Square Church. We'll look forward to further fellowship and ministry together. And thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Tim. Jay John, thank you. What a blessing. You are one of our heroes at that church. Every time you and Killy come in, our church gets so excited. What a gift you are to Times Square Church. We love you, Jay John, and we love Killy. Thank you very much, Tim. I love Tim Delena. It wasn't that amazing. And some of the stories that he told, so heartwarming. On a Tuesday night, if you're looking to tune into a church, tune into Times Square Church every Tuesday, every week. Either Tim or someone else uh, will be teaching. Thank you for joining us. Please join us again. No one is born a hero. They become one by repeatedly choosing to do what's heroic. Heroes of the Faith, Volume 2, J. John's brand new coffee table book, continues the testimonies of faith, sacrifice, love, generosity, and perseverance found in Volume 1. 
retelling 60 remarkable stories, including inspirational people such as Mahalia Jackson, Brother Andrew, Rasalama of Madagascar, and David Wilkerson, we're reminded that the road to being a hero is to take heroic actions one step at a time. Heroes of the Faith, Volume 2, available now from jjohn.com and other bookshops.